A correct climate narrative is efficient to share information correctly to more audiences, stakeholders, and to express not only the urgency of the climate crisis, but the steps taken to protect our planet from several fields, such as policy, research, industries, and the general public. I'm Asia, and you're listening to Rethinking Climate. We investigate how the climate crisis is spoken about. Today, we are very honored to have Carlo Corazza. He's spokesperson and head of the European Parliament's offices in Italy. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you. So you you have been you have worked as well also during uh, Antonio Tajani's presidency at the European Parliament, where you also coordinated mediatic relations press and worked with DGCOM, which for those listening is the European Parliament's communication offices in Brussels, and collaborated with the university and think tanks. Uh, so let's go for the first questions. What do you think are key elements to communicate properly and efficiently to an audience who may not be as informed of what is happening? within the EU bubble and also about the actions that the EU is taking. Thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm really delighted to, to, to have this conversation um, with you. I think the, the most important thing is uh, to be divulgative, to not to expect that uh, uh, everybody can understand uh, a bureaucratic languages or a too technical element of a communication. So to be simple, to be clear, to make a lot of uh, example, and uh, to be very open to questions from, from journalists, and also to study a lot. I mean, because to be, to be simple, to be divulgative, you need to understand very well what you are trying to explain to, to the public. And uh, bear in mind that you are not talking to, to, to experts, you are not talking, as you were saying, uh, to the Brussels bubble, but you have to talk to the Italian, to the, to the German, to the French, to the Greek, etc. That Europe is not Brussels, Europe is not Luxembourg, Europe is uh, the, 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 the region, the, the municipalities, uh, the, uh, and the citizens. And the city should look at us, not like some, something far, or do things which are not clear and far for their priority. So if you're working on climate change, if you're working on energy transition, if you're working on circular economy, they have to understand that this means a better life for them, more job, more economic growth, more economic development, not just be an abstract goal uh, in 2050. They should really understand what the, what this means in their in their day by day life. So, since you actually do mention this, and there are some of the points also included in the Green New Deal, what are the challenges there? I mean, we we need not just a revolution in in our industry or in our agriculture. We we need a revolution in our mind, in our way of thinking, in our way of con consuming and traveling, and uh, I mean, in, in our behavior. And uh, we will never be able to reach uh, the target provided uh, in the in the climate law. So uh, less emission. Uh, 
in 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2050 without this kind of revolution. And another revolution we need is, is, is also an economic revolution. Uh, we need to understand that without an European debt, without uh, um, a substantial uh, uh, part of public investment, we will not be able to change our economy. We are not able to, to, to start this transition and to, to do this deep transformation of our, um, of our industry. And uh, uh, if, I, I make an example. If you have to cut emission in the building sector, you will have to restructure uh, hundreds of thousands of buildings. And we have the technology to do that. So, and we will save a lot of energy if we do that, because 40% of our consumption of energy depends to, to the inefficiency of our building. But you need a huge amount of investment to do that. And if you, if you need to do that by 2030, because this is the first way to, to cut emission is building, because on transport will be much more difficult, you really need to, to invest billion and billion. What Italy, for instance, is doing with a very popular measure, which is called 110% uh, on eco bonus and, um, and seasonal bonus. So if the European leadership uh, agreed on creating a good debt within brackets and to invest a massive amount of, of, of million and to explain to the taxpayer why we need to do this kind of investment, then I think that the Green Deal will be a great success. It will not just help us to save the planet, but also to create jobs and to move the, the, the economy. And at the end of the day, in the long term, it will be also a great economic success because we are dependent from the, the Russian gas or from the, the oil of uh, the Middle East. Eh? And uh, to, 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 cons to consume less oil and less gas uh, will make us not just uh, more independent, but also uh, help our economy to, to grow faster and with our own technology. <laughs> Great, so there are many, uh, we can say comments about how the EU is actually approaching these policies or decisions or where funding should go and so on. So what do you think is the hardest information to share and communicate with the EU countries about these changes that are happening are needed? I think you, you, the, the, the main point is, uh, I think, the environmental dumping. People ask uh, why we should put uh, so much pressure on our industry, on our agriculture, and also on our way of traveling and, uh, and our transport system, if then the Chinese can continue to produce steel with cox, or the America just doesn't care, or if, I don't know, the, 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 the Russian will, will continue to use oil and, and gas, etc. So we, we, we have to demonstrate that this will be fair, that we, we, will, we will take our burden, we will take our responsibility, but we will also act to push the other to take their responsibility, and not just asking or begging, but imposing duties at the frontier to the, the other uh, economy, which uh, are not uh, on our same line. And this is just to avoid the, the catastrophe, because if we do not that, there will be just a delocalization. A steel producer will just leave Europe and go in China or in, in other parts. And this will uh, increase the emission, not uh, 
cut the emission. So we really need to impose a level playing field uh, on the fight against climate change. Without this level playing field, the, our citizens will feel uh, that this will not work and that this, this is not unfair. And, and they will be right because uh, uh, we, we, we cannot uh, have a Green Deal without the diplomacy of the Green Deal. And when I talk about diplomacy, I'm talking also about anti-dumping and duties. <clears throat> so what, what are some of the improvements you would like to see uh, in the communication of what is happening about the EU? Maybe also from the EU bubble, but also from national member states. But I mean, for the member state, uh, it's, it's quite easy. I mean, uh, they they should stop the blame game. They should stop to to say that everything is wrong come from the Brussels uh, bureaucrats. Uh, and I mean, they are they are co-legislator. Uh, I mean, the the, the first things that, that should be avoided that to say that Europe is a bureaucracy. We are not a bureaucracy. We are a great democracy. We are a liberal democracy. Uh, the most important moment for the European Union is when the citizens vote every five years, they elect their representative. Any single piece of legislation in the European Union is approved by two chambers, the, the, the European Parliament and Council of Ministers. And you, you can make a parallel, I mean, it's not uh, very correct from a constitutional point of view, but you can imagine the, the Parliament like the American Congress and the, the Council of Ministers like the Senate. So one chamber represents the people, the other chamber represents the, the state, the, the, the member state. So uh, if you have to blame someone, you have to blame the democracy, which <laughs> approved certain rules and the rule and decided to put the, to allocate the budget in a, in a, in a, in a certain way. So the, the European leader, the national leader, uh, should take their responsibility and, and say, okay, we, we did a mistake or we did, or, or to defend their choice. I mean, because the, if they made certain choice when they meet in Brussels in, 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 at the Council of Ministers or the, or the European Parliament, they should assume the responsibility of the decision they take. This is the basis of the democracy. Another fundamental element of the, the democracy is to explain why you take certain choice. We were talking before. Uh, you cannot just explain things uh, in a cold and distant way. You cannot leave to bureaucrats the, 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 or, or to spokesperson <laughs> the role to explain. You are a politician. You should promote participation because the participation of citizens is the is the is the blood of the democracy. Without participation, a, 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 a democratic power cannot survive. So a politician should sell a dream, should sell a vision, should, and on this vision, we on this direction, which we should push people to participate. So if I could suggest something to national and European politicians, is please make the European dream again. That there, there, there is something on which we can dream to change the planet, to change our way to consume, to defend the liberal democracy. These are really dreams, at least for my generation. When I was 18, I traveled in Poland, in Hungary, and I saw people of my same age who would not be able to, to, to travel. I mean, these things uh, exist again in, in Turkey or in, in Russia at our border. So we can explain that we are, we are here to defend the dignity and the freedom of, of the people. And this is a fantastic dream to promote. So maybe this question is for those listeners who are not exactly aware of how the European Parliament's offices work in Italy. 
or within the other EU um, headquarters. But we could say, what are the tools that the European Parliament uses to communicate its mission to the citizens? Now, I mean, we, first of all, we, we, we engage on social media. We have a platform together.eu where we uh, engage with citizens and we ask citizens to become our ambassador. And we have a similar program also for school. We ask students to become our ambassador and to involve other students. Then we we work, we have a lot of media partners. So we have newspaper, television who work with us uh, on several teams, on several uh, debates. We organize a lot of uh, debate with the member of the European Parliament and economic stakeholder representative of the national governments. And this is very important for a legislature to have an idea what what's the, the stakeholder respect and to present your vision on what you, you, you in which direction you want to go in this specific sector. It has been extremely important during the pandemic to have a continued confrontation between the tourist sector, agricultural sector, infrastructure sector, banking sector, etc., between the, the, the representative of the European Parliament, the Commission, the Italian government, and the economic and social stakeholder. What we also try to do is to avoid uh, disinformation and fake news. Three days ago, we had uh, we were obliged to wrote uh, a letter to, to the RAI, uh, because the, during uh, a program in Redway, uh, there was just a, a set of fake news on uh, the fact that Europe wants to, to push uh, the Italian to, to drink wine with water or to eat uh, insects, etc. So it's a stupid example, but uh, I, I made it because it showed the, uh, the lack of responsibility of certain political leader because, I mean, a letter like that, where you clearly say that, of course, any critics uh, against the European Union is more than legitimate. This is the, the soul of democracy. But you have to do it uh, respecting the reality, not inventing things uh, or manipulating uh, the, the reality, which is also the basis of the, of the democracy. Uh, and a certain political leader accused us of uh, censura or, I mean, which is a good example of how, uh, how, how we are at risk in a way, because if the, if the political uh, culture now mix uh, uh, a pledge to correct information with uh, a censorship, I mean, we, we really have a, have a lot of things to, to do. This is a little bit uh, the new way of uh, populistic culture in politics, which could be dangerous also for the survival of the European Union. We saw what's happened with the Brexit. Brexit happened after a decade of fake news, in completely invented. Uh, and British citizens, uh, which were honestly convinced that the European Union was a sort of monster. And then at the end of the day, this was a manipulation of the of the vote, uh, because the the, the journalists did, did not do the, the the job in a professional way. A part of the media in, in uh, did not do its job. The sentinel yeah. of the of the liberal democracy. <clears throat> so, but um, this comes from um, 
from research that I've seen lately, there are quite a few initiatives to spread a, a stronger structure of communication about EU policies to smaller towns or smaller communities or so on. So, and, and some citizens, as I've read online, feel like that the digital is useful to a certain point because of course it engages with a lot of communities quite fast. But what about those maybe older who don't use technology or smaller towns that don't really look at technology and digital platforms as, as a way uh, to inform themselves, yeah. As I say at the beginning, uh, we we have to to reach people. We have to fill the gap be, between the the institution and the people. Not just new generation, but everybody, every citizen. And we, you have to go local also for this. Uh, so that's why we have office uh, in all member states. In Italy, we have two offices: one in Milan, one in Rome. Because we, we you also need the territorial proximity. I mean. When when the pandemic will will end, uh, we will start to travel again, and we'll go in in the different uh, region, uh, different town, uh, meet people, discuss with them, try to explain, etc. Because this is a uh, this is also very important to talk with local media and uh, and also to meet people and, and to listen to them and to to answer to their questions. So I mean, of course, we are not uh, an army, but. Uh, uh, within our limit possibility, we, we try to do whatever we can to, to, to really be available. Europe should be available. Should be, yes. we, we, and the people should feel that they are part of something. I mean, they are part of something which have a lot of uh, imperfection, like all the things made by you, ma'am. But she's, it's their imperfection. It's the, the, it's, it's, it's the natural perimeters of certain decisions. Yes. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think that's behind all the the, the I think we we all feel European because we have a common history together. We have three thousand year of history, uh, and when when we study the history of um, of the Greek against the Persian, we all feel uh, like the Greek. We automatically we feel the Greek against the, the Persian Empire. Because in this precise moment, we started to develop a European identity. <clears throat> and so to our listeners, what advice would you give them when it comes to learning more about sustainability policies applied by the European Union or the European Parliament and how they could feel more participant within this big identity? I would say something quite obvious. I think my advice is to be a citizen. That to be a citizen, you cannot be very passive. You cannot give uh, for granted the inf correct information or participation or even the, the fact that you can vote. Uh, so if you want to be a citizen, you should uh, try to inform yourself in a serious way, also comparing different sources of information. You should try to understand what politicians are doing. You should also so as a sort of duty to defend your freedom, put pressure on these politicians. Thank you very much for your time. So you listen to Rethinking Climate. You can find us on social media and on YouTube. Thank you very much. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.